Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is a podcast part of the Ministry League Network of Podcasts and brought to you by Holly Hill Church of Christ and Goodwood Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. Oh, Josh, morning for you, afternoon for me. How's it going? I know. I always want to start by saying good morning, but it is 11 o'clock, so I guess still officially morning, but it uh, is. really is lunchtime. Um, I tell you, I have a, a friend of mine, uh, Chad, oops, uh, who does a podcast, and uh, sometimes he, I don't, he doesn't, um, I don't know if he's done one recently or not, but I know it always makes me smile. When I hear him start off by saying, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, you may delete as appropriate. And uh, it just makes me smile because I know then that it's a Chad Lambden podcast. And uh, have, you, uh, his, have you seen, that's how have he you seen the Truman Show? I have, have not. Oh. That's the one I know the, I should. It's one of the famous lines there, you know. Good, good, good morning, good evening, and good night. Or good morning, good afternoon, <laughs> and good night. You know, is the way he signs everything off. So, I love it. It's good stuff, man. We have had, uh, you know, it rains here. It's not uncommon for it to rain here in Louisiana, but dude, <laughs> no, we have had some like torrential rainfall over the last couple of days. Ugh. Um, and I'm sure lightning didn't strike my house, or I would have evidence of that. But last night. It was as if lightning struck in my backyard at least twice overnight. Um, I mean, light through the windows, window rocking, thunder. Um, And my biggest dog, who is absolutely terrified of storms, even worse as she ages. You know, she is up on the bed and she's just like shaking like a leaf i thought i was in like a massaging bed last night she was shaking so much <laughs> she gets down she paces she pants she can't find a place where she feels secure and um it's just and it rained all night um i was actually kind of surprised that the kids actually had school today because so many of these roads flood so easily around here um but apparently um uh, I guess they've been doing a lot of construction. They've been working on a lot of the drainage structure around a lot of the roads because everything appeared to be open. So, yeah, you should know this by now. Unless there's like a hurricane, the, and even then they may still have school. But I mean, <laughs> oh no, no, Jonathan, they've gotten soft since you were in school. No, they have not. They have. Um, you know what is this they, nonsense? They closed school the other day because there was a threat of. Severe weather. No. Um, yes. Yes. No. It's crazy. Uh, but See? it is because it is because so many of the roads flood so quickly yeah. that right now they have trouble getting buses in and out of some of their neighborhoods. So. Well, it's because um, the rain comes down so quickly. But it does. But, yeah. It I, does. But I tell you, I went to Runnels. Now Runnels has since been closed. Uh, r- yeah, rest in peace. And um, but I remember even after Katrina. We were the first school in Baton Rouge that I, if, if I'm if I'm correct, to go back. We went mm-hmm. back almost a week before anybody else did, and uh, so to tell you how quickly we went back, we went back 
early when Goodwood still had the shelter. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and the, the shelter wasn't there that long. Right. Because of the next hurricane. But I remember going to school and then immediately just driving to the shelter and uh, helping out. Hmm. And because I was, I was mad. I was like, why are we back in school right now? I, sh- <laughs> I, I want to be at the shelter. Do. And yeah. uh, I got, yeah, I got, I got more important stuff to do right now. So are you telling me the truth with that, or are you exaggerating a little bit? With what? With that story, you know? Are you telling me Oh, the no, truth? no, no. The we, whole we, truth. We were, we were in the first ones back, and, and I would go back to the shelter. Um, I clocked in so many service project uh, hours for Beta Club that year. Let me tell you. They were like, how do you have so many hours? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you a story. Uh, you're not taking my bait here, right? I'm I'm laying out a transition for you. I saw truth, that. Right? I saw that. It, I, I am telling the whole truth, <laughs> and uh, but sometimes we do like to embellish, or sometimes yeah. we do like to leave certain things out to make our story sound better. So what does it mean, um, you know, to tell the truth? Is part of the question we're asking today. I have. Uh, oh man. You know, there was there was a guy that I worked with back in the day. There's there were several guys that were like this, but one in particular, um, you know, always had a story to tell. And if he ever said, "I kid you not," you probably knew what followed was a bullface lie. Um, <laughs> I also worked with a guy one time who told so many stories and told told so many kind of half-truths that I don't think he knew what the actual truth was, that he had convinced himself of so many of the stories he had told about his life, you know, that if you really actually tried to get him to narrow down what actually happened and what he had actually done, I think he would be challenged to actually come to that because we have ways of telling pieces of the truth without telling the whole truth or maybe even omitting some things. What I said is true, but it's not the whole truth. Right? So oh, absolutely. You think of telling I was the watching, truth. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, was saying, I was watching Psych um, while I'm packing because mm-hmm. Psych is a great show and um, it's just a show you really don't have to pay close attention to. It's a show that you can watch just for a, uh, a good time, just to kind of relax a little bit. And there's an episode where where Sean, the main character, the fake the psychic detective for the Santa Barbara Police Department, was uh, he had snuck previously that previous night. He snuck into a house to steal back some like Darth Vader toy figurine for some kid that had hired him. And then they were, ended up being a murderer at the house. And he had to basically come up with an idea of how he had a psychic revelation that someone was, you know, in danger or died in that house. But there, in that episode, there was a picture that kind of popped up of him at that house party. And he had to lie saying – well, he didn't have to, but he lied saying that it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. And at the lie detector test, the guy was asking, okay, so uh, what were you doing last night? Well, so he says, well, and while he was sneaking in, he was on the walkie-talkie with his friend Gus. So he said, well, me and Gus were talking for a little bit last night. And then we were talking a little Star Wars with you – know, and so he – everything he said with uh, what he was doing was truthful, 
until he said, I wasn't at that house. <laughs> right. But he passed the lie detector test because he told enough half-truths where nothing popped up. And sometimes we like to leave out key facts. You know, for me, it's like when Catherine says, hey, can you give something to me? Or can you give something back? Or can you go do something? And I'll say, oh, of course. And then I won't do it. And she'll look at me and I'll be like, well, I didn't say when. <laughs> now, was that the truth? Well, no, I was still being deceptive. So sometimes we lie to ourselves by saying, well, I didn't lie. So I still told the truth. But biblically speaking, anytime we're even deceptive, we haven't told the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I think that we need to be careful with that. Well, and you can even tell the truth in a way um, that makes it appear as a lie or a jest. Um, you know, for yes. instance, you know, I say I failed a test that I should have passed. And mom and dad come in and say, hey, how'd you do on your test? Like, oh, I bombed it, man, of course. And they assume that I'm joking and that I did well. Um, and I know that what I've said is the truth, but it's said in such a way as to be deceptive. Um, We can leave out parts of of what transpired and still be telling the truth, but not telling, you know, the complete truth. Yeah. And so, you know, there's so much that goes into when we talk about the truth, and maybe someday we can get into talking about the is truth relative or objective and how some of those perceptions have come in and and pervaded our understanding of what the truth of the gospel really means. Because today we are really talking about what it is to speak the message of the gospel, um, the truth of the gospel in in completeness. Because I think the temptation um, for us as modern Christians is to only tell half of the gospel. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that has pervaded so much of our preaching and teaching in the general, uh, atmosphere and environment of, of churches is that, you know, there are some preachers who you will never hear them refer to sin. Um, and they will preach only about the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus. And they will teach only the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of Jesus. Um, never the conviction, never the expectation of change or transformation. And, you know, the mercy and grace in, that we find in the gospel is the truth. But the problem is it's not the whole truth. Um, and there's a whole other aspect of God's nature, character, um, his expectation, his will um, that we abandon when we only speak part um, of the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And so that's the, that is the real challenge because and that, that other half of the gospel is always, it's not inviting. It's, it is sometimes really, really difficult to say and to receive. Um, and I think a lot of times we just don't want to do the work that comes after um, sharing the whole gospel. Or... I think that I mean, maybe it, I think maybe it could be the work. I think also we tell whatever part of the gospel we think will be most effective for the person we're speaking to because we're scared that the other part will scare them away. Yeah. 
So we'll, we'll, we'll get to there eventually. But if I let them know this part now, then they'll never listen to anything else. And, and well, that's just... That might be true for, like, some people. But when they find out you hid something from them or you didn't really teach the truth, then you've lost them already. Yeah. And that's also, I think, why we see we have such a hard time now evangelizing or, or speaking to others about about Christian things and about Jesus. It's because people are already on the defensive of, is this person really just talking me up? Or are they, you know, are they being honest with me? What's their motive? And I think we need to be able to give them the the side that says God is loving, God is forgiving, God is merciful, but we also need need to give them the side of God is a judging God. He's a jealous God. He he is a, a he is a God that has high expectations for us. Be holy as I am holy. I mean that's not that's not that's a high bar, not a low bar. And, and but because of both of those things is what makes the cross so beautiful, and we almost diminish the cross when we leave one of those two out. Yeah, and so, you know, I spoke on this some last night because in our uh, daily Bible reading, the plan that I'm on, we came through uh, Matthew 7, 8, 9, 10. I mean, we came across that passage where, you know, Jesus says, people want to come and follow, right? And one man comes up and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And he looks at him and says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Like, that's not the kind of invitation that we offer Jesus. Like, I need you to get on board with what we're after here. We are pursuing crowds. We are pursuing people. We are striving to get people in the door. We're not trying to push them out. At least that's the way my ministry tends to flow. Um, and another disciple says in verse 21, First let me go bury my father. And Jesus says some harsh words to me. He says, follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. Um, it seems like a legitimate request for someone uh, to ask Jesus, "Can I, can I go bury my father?" Um, there's all kinds of things that you can look at. You know, maybe the father hadn't died. Maybe he was saying, "Give me a chance to live out this part of my life with my father, and then I'll come and follow you." But the truth is, what Jesus says is, "You're not ready to pay the price of what it costs to follow me." Um, and he was willing to say that in such a way um, that maybe did cost him some people. Um, if we if we get to it later, we can look at you know John chapter six when he says some really crazy things that maybe even have his own uh, disciples wondering if they've made the right choice in, in sticking to Jesus here. But um, you know he gets in there and he says those things even though he knows that people are going to to move away from him because. Because it is the truth. And people need to know what it is they're getting into. And, and we want to know that, right? I mean, if I pick something up off a shelf in a store, um, I'm not just going to go to the cash register and say, here you go, I want this. I want to know. If it's not marked, there's not a mark on the shelf, I want to know how much does this cost before I commit to buying it. I'm going to look for a price scanner in an aisle somewhere. I'm going to get to the cashier, and I'm going to say, hey, can you uh, check the price of this before you ring it up? Um, because it's important that people understand what it is they're getting into before they 
jump in with both feet, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where I want to know also what the expectations are before I agree to something. Uh, I love when someone says, hey, I have a favor. You know, can you do me a favor? Mm, depends on what that favor is. <laughs> yes, I can do you a favor. Do I get to define the favor or do you have a specific one in mind, right? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, let me know what I'm getting into first. And because that and I hope you don't I'm not jumping too ahead of ourselves, but sometimes I feel like that's a bait and switch and, and where I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And they're like, and some, oh, hey, I just need you to go pick up something from the store or, or go do this. And you get there and all of a sudden you realize there's a little bit more to what they asked. And now and or you realize once you get in the middle of it, you go, oh, so this is why you didn't want to do this. <laughs> And this is why you ask someone else, you know, and sometimes it's something that is no big deal. Sometimes it's aggravating because it's saying, oh, I see. And, and, and this is not I wouldn't have agreed to this if I knew this and you knew I wouldn't have. So you left it out. And then that relationship is now tainted. That trust is now tainted. Yeah. Well, so you know the old bait-and-switch tactics, right? I mean, those have probably been illegal for most of your life. Um, but they used to have these things in stores where they would put something in an ad that was not legitimate. They actually never had it for sale. But so people would come to the store looking for this particular sale, which never existed. But once you're in the store, we can move you on to another product. Um, car dealerships were notorious for doing it for a long time. Of advertising. One car this. might be at that price and all the other. Well, and now it has to be that way. Uh, but at one point, that car didn't even exist. You know, they just yeah. wanted to get people on the lot and they would just say, oh, well, we don't have that car now, which is not a lie. It is the truth. We don't have it now. The truth is we never had it. The whole truth is we never had it. Um, but they would say, oh, we don't have that car, but let me show you something like it. And they would then move you over. So you have that bait and switch that switches them over from what they actually came to look for. Um, you know, that's illegal in advertising now. And so even on Black Friday, when you have those great sales, a 75-inch TV for $150, you know, there's one of those because they want the line out the door to go get that deal. Um, because once they get in, maybe they can find the next best deal, which we actually make a profit on. <clears throat> Sometimes I think we treat the gospel that way. Hey, just get them here. Just get them here. And once they get here, then we can teach them the truth along the way. The problem with that thinking is once we get people here, a lot of times we are unwilling to switch over to the full truth, even when we use that tactic. Because what we then begin to realize is if I brought them in with this message and now I change to a new message, they're just going to leave. And we don't want them to leave. So we're going to keep them here a little bit longer. Um, and that's not fair to them. It's not fair to the church. It's not fair to the gospel. And it's not fair, you know, to to Jesus for what he has done. And it's not a fair representation of who God expects us to be as his children. Um, but it is a real temptation to just, what do I have to do to get them to listen and, and to to come? And I think that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous temptation to fall into. It's absolutely, and and something I, uh, that I thought of when we were discussing this is, you know, also not just this bait and switch, but 
also what you win people with mm -hmm. is what you win them to. Yeah, that's right. What you, I mean, so if I'm willing to go off and, and use all these tactics or try to hook them with some sort of invitation of some sort of whatever, and that's all I also focus on because all I care about is if they come. Well, as, as a youth minister, I could – I don't. I could do all sorts of stuff and pack the place full because I'm – doing whatever entertainment i'm giving away whatever free item we've mentioned this before in a previous podcast i could budget to give a free xbox away every week for a drawing or whoever brings the most friends or you name it and i would have a ton of people eventually right every week but they wouldn't be coming to hear what i have to say they'd be coming for that free xbox yeah, in, in fact, in the uh, John John chapter six, you know, he uses that he's just fed the five thousand, and then he goes to the other side of the sea, and all the people follow him. Um, yeah, which I do appreciate this picture of the relentless pursuit of Jesus. Right, I mean, they get up, they realize that after he fed five thousand, he put the disciples in the boat and he sent them across the sea, but he didn't get in the boat. And so they think he's still around. And so they go searching for Jesus, and they find out that he's not still there. That's the time he walked out on the sea and met them in the storm, and then they went to the other side. And so they go and find Jesus, and when they find Jesus, he looks at him and he says, You just want food. Um, you don't really want what I have to offer. You're just here because I just fed you, and you saw that miraculous thing. So... Here's the thing. And then he begins to teach them something that is so bizarre, right? Yeah. Um, like out of this world bizarre. Um, and it's in, in verses 53 and 59 is where it comes to a culmination of John chapter 6. And he says, look, here's the deal. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Time out. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly Hold up. what they said. Um, and we, we, are, we are so tempted to just blur the lines, right? Um, you know, even a, even a fellow youth minister who's now looking for, for where the Xbox giveaway is. Uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me where the Xbox, you know, a link giveaway. That's right. Maybe we should. Well, if you read our... the remind messages, you would know, Aaron. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or the email message or the text message or, you know, the post on Facebook or an Instagram and all the other places. Um, we're just so tempted to blur the lines, right? Because there, there are topics, there are um, attitudes, there are things that we aren't comfortable talking about. And so instead of I'm not going to really stand for it or against it, I'm just going to stand here in the middle and just pretend like there's not really a line. And then you just decide for yourself what you think Jesus really wants of you. Um, and there are so many lifestyle choices, you know, about, about the way you should live, about um, the way you should identify as a, as a human or in your sexuality, about 
about who you will marry and who you'll be in relationship with. I mean, these are issues that the Bible speaks plainly on. Um, and we just want to kind of stand in the gap and just say, well, you just come and you decide for yourself. When really our obligation as Christians is to just speak the truth so that people know what it is that Jesus is asking of them. That yes, he definitely welcomes them and loves them and cherishes them. But at the same time, he expects them to live in a different way. That is true whether you are um, homosexual or heterosexual. There is a great expectation that is not consistent with the world, that is consistent with him and his will. Um, and it is not fair to bring people into a place, and then as soon as they get in, you slap them with the truth, and they say, well, where did this come from? You haven't said any of these things leading up. And now I get here, and I'm almost ready to invest. And, and now yeah. you bring me with the truth that you knew I wouldn't accept then. What makes you think I'll accept it now? Yeah. Um, it's a real and, and temptation. I'll, it is. And, and, I'll, and I'll add on to that. Sometimes we also may go the opposite direction with a, a topic like you know, our identity and sexuality that can be so messy. We sometimes oversimplify it and over condemn something. And, and, and I'm going to clarify what I mean before all our viewers go away like that. Um, years ago, um, whenever I was, whenever, um, Pokemon Go had just came out. Yes, I'm bringing up a Pokemon Go reference. It, it is what it is at me. Okay. So, um, I was walking with one of the, um, a guy from the community and, you know, just trying to make a lot of connections as a minister. I saw, oh man, I could make a lot of relationships. I can, I'm around this group of people who, are your gamers online who now are actually outside. So you're around a crowd that uses language and other things that I'm not comfortable with, but I'm being a good influence. I can have good conversations and conversations did come up in this one particular time. I was walking around Frankfurt and it was real. And I actually did get nervous because we, right as we crossed, like we we're on top of a bridge, you know, our, you know, over the Kentucky River or whatever river it is in Frankfurt. I probably just butchered that, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, he stops and he starts asking me, because he knows I'm a minister, and we have been talking about some church stuff, and because uh, he was not going anywhere. And he asked me what I thought about, you know, sexuality, you know, homosexuality. And I was like, and I looked around, and I was like, oh, man, am I going to get thrown off the bridge if I, if I answer this wrong? <laughs> you know, but... I answered him and, and with the biblical answer, and, and, and I, but I was specific by saying, hey, listen, the Bible condemns the practice of that kind of lifestyle. I said, having that feeling is any other kind of temptation. The Bible specifically condemns the practice. So if you have certain urges, well, I have urges too. But I choose not to dwell on them or act on them. And I think that's where we and, – and as I was explaining that, he communicated to me that he had never heard a Christian say that. He'd always heard them just say, oh, it's all wrong and it's all evil and just kind of be hateful about it. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, what do you mean? You've never heard that the practice was, is, is wrong but having that urge is, is like any other temptation. He had never heard that. Mm -hmm. And because I guess we are scared of something we're uncomfortable with. 
And because of that, that truth, well, for me, the, the, the conversation ended up being more beneficial because I was able to have some good rapport with him there and earn some trust because of some previous conversations he had, but the damage had already been done. Mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, it's because we're too scared to maybe look at Scripture and say, maybe it's there's some things I'm uncomfortable with, but I have to be able to communicate more detailed. It's not just a one statement fits all type thing where I can just say, oh, it's one sentence. Okay, end of discussion. Well, no, it might need to be a conversation where we actually have to explain something to someone and have a real honest, meaningful conversation about a topic that we may not be comfortable with. And that goes for anything and uh, that, we, that we're unfamiliar with because of our own experiences or our lack of our own experiences. Well, and I tend to have blind spots with uh, some of the sins that I struggle with. Um, yep. I mean, I mean, even even sexual sin that we have almost normalized in the church. Um, yep. Not that it's accepted, but it isn't met with the same kind of impassioned um, opposition. You know, when it comes to certain types of, of even sexual sin, you know, say, well, you know, we can kind of look past some things, whether it's, you know, um, you know, a, a adultery or or all of these other kind of things. Uh, we look at them and and we just kind of say, well, OK, well, let's deal with this. Whereas we have a different reaction when it comes to other categories or even even other identities that people have. And so there is this great need to really recognize where people are and address the truth in a way that's loving because they need to know what they're getting into. Just like, I mean, you know, my culture says to me, if you want a new wife, go get a new wife. Um, natural selection says you can have as many partners as you want to have. In fact, the more the merrier because you need to make sure um, that your line continues. And, and our culture is perfectly okay with that. I mean, God is not. Um, that no matter what, he says, there is an expectation I have of my people. I'm not really concerned about your happiness. And that's kind of a hard thing for us to really um, get right in our minds, that God is not really concerned with how happy you are. He is concerned with how holy you are. And, and what he does tell us is that this, you may not think this will make you happy, but if you will follow my way, you will be fulfilled, you will be holy, and you will be saved ultimately. And you will find in yourself the thing that you were created for. Um, but that requires us to get into this point of selflessness. Um, and, and to not pursue the things of the world. And to say the things that are uncomfortable. Because sometimes what people need to hear is they need to hear that harsh truth so they can walk away. And maybe reflect. Um, mm -hmm. You know, these people left. A lot of these people who left Jesus when he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, they came back. They came back when they realized who Jesus really was. They came back when the tomb was empty on, on Sunday. They came back when um, the disciples were gathering at Pentecost and were, and were baptizing thousands of people each day. These people returned when they really truly realized, number one, who Jesus was, and number two, how desperately they needed him for what he had to offer, not for what they thought they wanted. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and had Jesus not, and the apostles not had the courage to speak the truth in those moments, um, they might not have ever gone to that point of realization of what it was that they truly needed. Um, and so we have to be willing to have those conversations. Because the truth is, like, God doesn't need me to defend him, right? I mean, I, I don't need to... Well, okay, well, God wrote this, and this is God's message, but I'm going to put this in a way that maybe you can accept it. Um, God doesn't need me to defend him. God doesn't need me to defend his message. God doesn't need me to make his message more receptive. He just needs me to do, to be dedicated to him, to his will, and to proclaim the truth of who he is and what he has called us to be. Absolutely. Um, and that's something that that I think we take for granted that and the fact that, I mean, the Holy Spirit will convict people when they are ready to be convicted, when they are ready to receive that truth. Our duty is just to simply proclaim it with everything that we have. Yes. And and I'll add this before anyone gets confused. And because this is something I see a lot and it's a kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, Like Josh said, we don't need to defend God. Uh, we don't need to try to make God's truth more receptive or more sound more loving or anything like that. However, when we a lot of times we'll use stories or examples of how harshly Jesus spoke in certain th- ways he condemned certain things as an excuse for us not speaking the truth in love. And, or us, because here's the other thing. Um, I'm not God. I don't have the authority Jesus had when he could actually talk very, very harshly because of who he was. Let's not mistake ourselves for saying, oh, because Jesus said certain things means that I can say everything he said. Well, no, but I can point to Jesus' words saying, hey, here's how he reacted. Here's how Jesus is, is views these things. Here's how God views these things. But I can't condemn people. I can't, you know, talk in that kind of maybe tone that Jesus did. But I can still speak out against sin. I can still say these things are unacceptable. But let's let's not forget the difference that is between who we are and who Jesus is. And, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um. Well, I don't think, uh, you know, most of the people who, who at least the ones who listen, you know, to us would, would confuse us with understanding that. Probably uh, not. Because ultimately, I mean, it is love that motivates us to do the things we do. It is because we love people and because we love Jesus that we are even willing uh, to, to, to spread this message. Absolutely. And to let people know of who he is because we want all to be in this place where, where we are. Um. And we understand what the love of God means. And look, I understand how much I've been forgiven. You know, the depth of that forgiveness motivates me to to call people into relationship with him because of what he has done and how far he has come for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, love has to govern everything that we do, all of our words, all of our actions. Um, And it is not loving to not tell people what is really required. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and so 
while there is a balance there, um, and, and you know, you can get online and you can see, I will tell you this, in person, when you have a face-to-face conversation, it is really hard to be unloving. I mean, it is really hard to be as harsh as people can be when they're in an online conversation. Because when I can hide behind a keyboard or behind a screen name or behind a place where all i got to do is log out and I'm done with the conversation, I think people are often willing to be much more harsh against one another. Um, And so having those conversations person-to-person, man-to-man, woman-to-woman, face-to-face, when I can look in the eyes and see um, the nature of God staring back at me, that, that image of God that's built into every person that's created. Uh, there is a deep obligation for us to be mindful of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, in, that, in that same scene in John chapter 6, you know, there's this discrepancy. You have these people that have been really chasing Jesus all over the place, and they finally find him, and they're not ready to receive what Jesus has to offer, and so they leave. They're going to come back. Well, then he looks in verse 60 at, uh, you know, the disciples, and he says, what about you? Are you going to leave too? Right? And Peter's response, he looks at Jesus and he says, we have nowhere to go. We left everything to follow you. Um, and so, you know, the Spirit will work when the Spirit is ready to work. Um, we just have to be able to speak and to speak the truth and and really, it's, it's, it's deferring to the Word of God, right? I mean, this is not my message. I am the messenger, but this is God's message. You can take it, you can leave it, you can accept it, or you can reject it. That's up to you. Um, but if I haven't presented it all to you, how can you do any of those things? Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing for us to remember is... Um, this is not our, we play a part in this story, but it's not our story to tell. We play a part in this message, but it's not my message to tell. It's God's message. It's God's word. It's God's truth. Um, And it is his plan. It is his redemption and his salvation that he offers. And much like when uh, Samuel went before God and said, the people want a king. And God says, it's not you they've rejected. It's me. Yeah. So give him a king, and let's see how this plays out for him. Um, yeah. And, you know, we do take it personally sometimes, uh, but I think it's important to remember that it's not our message to modify. It's not our place to decide who receives what and how, but it is simply our place to proclaim the truth of who God is and what he expects of his people. Um, and the Spirit will work when the Spirit is, is allowed to work. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that happens immediately. Sometimes it happens years, and sometimes people are never in a place to accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to make sure we're doing our part uh, to provide the avenue for people to make a choice. Absolutely, I like that. I think we should end on that. So those are some good thoughts. Um, as always, uh, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been uh, a great time for those who watch live. For those who are listening later, we are always thankful for your. Your, um, the way you, you, you always listen, the way you comment, and your feedback. Uh, we want to remind you of First uh, Peter uh, 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. 
We want to give a special thank you to the Ministry League for allowing us to be a part of their network of podcasts. And we got some big news coming up in just a few weeks on May 1st is a uh, big day. Uh, it's an anniversary of the launch of Ministry League. Uh, please tune in. There's a special uh, event, special live event that Saturday. Um, but as always, we'll see you guys next week.